Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on this Wednesday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. NBA Finals kicks off tomorrow, just over 24 hours from now. We are going to have Game 1 for you tomorrow. Red Sox off, so we've got Game 1, Celtics-Warriors, just after 8 o'clock. Cannot wait for it. Joining me now to break down the NBA Finals a day early is our friend Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio host, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights, 9 p.m. Freddie, how are you? I'm good, Brother Brady. I know you're ready for the finals because it didn't seem likely with so much angst about the Celtics not playing well early in January that people wondered if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown should be broken up. I wonder where those people are now with those two guys leading the Celtics to the NBA Finals. Well, and Tatum called him out after the Eastern Conference Finals. He said that motivated us. It brought us closer together. What is your gut right now? What's your gut telling you about this series as a whole? It's really going to be hard to beat the Golden State Warriors four times in seven games, but how many times, Brady, that a team can have a hot start maybe to the playoffs and they ride that momentum, or even if they're down 2-0, they're able to find a way and climb out of that hole. We saw that last year with the Milwaukee Bucks, but they're down 2-0, and Giannis Antetokounmpo is compromised, and people are thinking that Chris Paul is going to win his first NBA championship, and then the Phoenix Suns didn't scratch another game in that series. So my gut right now tells me that Golden State is going to win their fourth championship when it comes to Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, and also Steph Curry being together. But the Boston Celtics and the way they play defense will not make it easy on Golden State no matter how long the series goes. You know, I've heard multiple of your colleagues at ESPN over the last few days say they think the Celtics need to be physical with Golden State. Do you think physicality can rattle the Warriors? No, I don't, because they're used to physical play. I mean, they dealt with it, even though they won that first series easy against Denver. Denver was physical on defense. We saw physical Memphis was on defense. They knocked out Gary Payton the second, who might be back for the NBA Finals. And Dallas is not a physical team, but they were able to kind of do that as well. Boston's not going to do anything that Golden State has not seen before. The question is, it comes down to, can you make shots? No matter what kind of defense is going to be employed against you. So you can be as physical with Golden State as you want to, but that doesn't mean you'll be able to knock them off their game because let's say you're physical, Brady, but you're putting fouls in your team and you put Golden State in the free throw line. Do you really want Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins on the free throw line and getting those kind of numbers offensively where they don't have to worry about the clock moving and scoring the basketball? You have to be very judicious with your defense and be physical. But you can't just be overly physical and think that's going to work because now you're allowing Golden State to shoot more free throws than you're shooting as a basketball team when it comes to Boston. What's the best storyline out of these finals? Boy, that's a great question because there's so many. But I'll say the best storyline for me is Al Horford finally getting a chance to be on a stage like this because we're talking about one of the classiest people that the NBA has seen in the last 20 to 25 years. And just seeing his emotion, Brady, when they won Game 7 on Sunday where he gets down on his knees, he's pounding the floor as if to say, finally I get a chance to make it and be on the stage. For me, a guy that Boston didn't want anymore when you think about it because Philadelphia signed in a big contract. Then he goes to Oklahoma City Thunder and Boston said, we're going to go anywhere. We need that guy back in our organization. He was so happy to be back. And we've seen some big moments from him throughout the playoffs so far in this run of the finals by the Boston Celtics. For me, that's the best storyline, having a classy guy on and off the basketball court and a great leader now, Harper getting a chance to play on a stage like this. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio host, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights, 9 p.m. Who benefits, which individual benefits the most from winning a title? It's going to be Steph Curry because I firmly believe that if Steph Curry gets title number four, all of a sudden he he puts some distance between him 
and the Kevin Durant of the world, his former teammate, and the Kyrie Irvings of the world, and maybe even the LeBron Jameses of the world, because he's never going to be regarded as a better player than LeBron James. Nobody's crazy enough to think that. But if Steph Curry wins an NBA championship again, his fourth title in his Hall of Fame career, all of a sudden it becomes his NBA again, because people seem to forget this was a two-time MVP in the regular season in the NBA. He was a unanimous selection one of those times. If he gets that championship, all of a sudden, because many people still believe it's either LeBron's league still, even though the Lakers haven't done anything other than win that championship in the bubble, or that maybe it could be Giannis's league, maybe Luka's league. But if Steph Curry gets title number four, it becomes his league again because everybody is going to be chasing Golden State. And nobody thought, Brady, we'd be having that conversation two years ago when Golden State was 15-67. and 67. They had the worst record in the NBA. Steph was injured. Clay was injured. Draymond was chunky, not funky. Everybody wanted the Golden State Warriors to get back to where they were, where here they are in the pressures of winning that fourth championship. And if they get that, it becomes Steph NBA again, and not and everybody else is chasing him. You know, I think it's clear that the Warriors have a lot of motivation in this. Their big three, their core has motivations to prove that they can win at an older age without Durant, etc. So I think it's fair to say they're extremely motivated, but... I heard Ryan Hollins, friend of your show, friend of my show, he was on Fox Sports Radio yesterday. He said he doesn't think the Celtics have the same motivation as the Warriors heading into this series. How does that land with you? I'm with him on that one, mainly because Golden State's playing for history, and that's not to say that the Celtics aren't motivated because they have a coach that's in, M.A. Odoka, who's going to make sure they're in the right frame of mind, but when you're a Golden State Warriors basketball team that changed the way the NBA game is played, think about what the NBA looked like before the Pacers faced Warriors really got it started, what the NBA looks like now, that there's a premium on shooting and deep shooting and extending the defense, and then at the defensive sense, you can get downhill and get those paint touches. And we saw that from Golden State, where they dared Steph Curry to get into the lane and finish when it comes to Dallas, and he did that. They were able to change the game of basketball because Boston plays a lot like Golden State. They have five out, zero in offense that a lot of Golden State tendencies are part of that offense that really got started with San Antonio as well. So that's why they have the more motivation because you get a fourth championship, you get past that line of other teams. You get closer to the Chicago Bulls when they won six in eight years. No one's going to get near what the Celtics were able to do and what the Los Angeles Lakers are able to do. But think about that organization, the Golden State Warriors. As an organization, they're in their 12th NBA Finals, going back to the years where they played in Philadelphia, then in San Francisco, now with Oakland, now back in San Francisco. This is an organization that has gotten to the Finals more than a couple of times. As they get championship number five as an organization, that's the kind of history and motivation that, is, that they're playing for right now. Along those lines of the Warriors playing small and playing fast and getting a lot of shots up, does Robert Williams have a big role in this series, or is he going to be rendered kind of useless and ineffective? Oh, he won't be useless and ineffective because if you have a rim protector, those kind of guys still matter. But here's the deal. You're going to see a lot of sets. They try to draw him away from the basket. So does he get in drop coverage and stay in the lane? That allows an easier shot, a pull-up shot, whether it's Clay Thompson, the screen and roll, Steph Curry, maybe even Andrew Wiggins. And if he comes up, is he quick enough to keep those guys from getting to the rim where his length can really, really be a problem? He has to be what we saw from Gavon Looney in the last six or seven playoff games of the Golden State Warriors, where they tried to get him and switch his Brady, but he was able to hold his own against whether it's Luka Doncic and at times the Memphis guards as well, or even Jalen Brunson got him in those switches. But they was able to get offensive rebounds and keep possessions alive and get extra possessions for the Golden State Warriors. If Robert Williams can do something like that, then that's another guy you have to account for. And you know what that does? That creates more space for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart to knock down shots on the outside and Derek White coming off the bench. 
So he can't be he can't be along the lines of a Robert Pass. Nobody's expecting that. But if he has the kind of game that he brings to the table, he doesn't get caught in those switches and gets overwhelmed, then maybe just maybe give me that X factor that nobody's talking about for the Boston Celtics. Freddie, we know Clay, Steph, and Draymond. Should Celtics fans be more worried next about Andrew Wiggins or Jordan Poole? Both. Because <laughs> I think you'd be more I mean, you'd be more worried about Jordan Poole because he's instant offense off the bench, but Andrew Wiggins is a two-way guy, and as great as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have been at times, Andrew Wiggins can level off those guys because he can guard them on the outside. He can keep them from getting into the lane. Luka Doncic is a tough matchup because he's a tough matchup for anybody because he can use his strength. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum aren't as strong as Luka Doncic when they get into the lane. So Andrew Wiggins, you can put him on those two guys. You can put on Marcus Smart. In modern basketball, you have a guy in Andrew Wiggins that can guard positions one through four in the NBA, meaning the point guard, the shooting guard, and also the small forward and the big forward. So in modern basketball, he becomes that Swiss Army knife that can score the other end where you have to account for him because he's not just going to be a one-trick pony just guarding guys at one end. So both of those guys, Andrew Wiggins with his two-way play and Jordan Poole instant offense, you got to be worried about both of those guys. In addition, worrying about Steph and Clay and Dre when it comes to Golden State. Freddie, get you out of here on this. There's a lengthy story in The Ringer today written by Jackie McMullen. I have not read it yet. I'm going to read it tonight. We're going to talk about it tomorrow. But it centers on Ime Udoka and kind of his transparency, his bluntness, his able uh, ability to hold people accountable. And we've praised that all year, and the Celtics are winning, so we're going to continue to praise it. I'm just curious, do you think that coaching style only works as long as the team is winning? Because I've seen Tom Thibodeau do that and wear out his welcome everywhere he's been. I think there's a way you can do that, that players can respect you because especially players believe you're not going to wear them out. And I'm a Tom Thibodeau fan, but let's be honest, he can grate on players and he leaves players in too long. Go back to when he was a coach, when he was the Chicago Bulls, where Derrick Rose was on the floor in a game versus Philadelphia in the first round of playoffs in a game one. They're up by 24 points with two and a half minutes to play. And Derrick Rose is out there. He tears his ACL. He's never the same. We saw that R.J. Barrett this year with the New York Knicks where they're getting blown up by the Utah Jazz. He still has R.J. Barrett in a game. He suffers an ankle injury and it knocked him loose for a couple of games. That's the kind of leadership that goes the other way. That's the kind of toughness and transparency that goes the other way because of a, if that happens to a player, they're looking at coach saying, man, you're going to just run us till we drop, and then players will rebel against that at a certain point. Your shelf life gets very short. Emi Joker and also a guy like Steve Kerr, they're going to be tough and they're going to be demanding of their players, but the players will never have to question if their coach has their back because their coach is always going to protect the players and protect the organization. There's a way you can be tough. There's a way you can be transparent. But if that transparency means you're wearing out players, there's only a certain amount of time you're going to have before players get sick of that, and they want that organization to move on from that coach. Freddie Coleman, the best. ESPN radio host Freddie and Fitzsimmons, 9 p.m. weeknights on ESPN. Freddie, we appreciate you, and we will talk again next week. My pleasure, Brady. Enjoy the first couple games of the finals, and we'll catch up then.